Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning in to the 10th episode on July 14th, 2020. Let's discuss the beautiful rubber plant. And this is just a reminder that you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, or YouTube at Houseplant Homebody. All the social media links can be found on houseplant-homebody.com as well. And don't forget to join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Let's dive in. So rubber plant is one of the most popular plants right now because of some varieties that contain some awesome variegation, including the very hot and very trendy pink color in it. So rubber plant is, as you probably guessed, the common name. The botanical name is called Ficus elastica. It's part of the Moraceae family, which is commonly known as the mulberry family, which is very nice to have a new family around because I had a lot of plants in a row on this podcast in the Araceae family. So, welcome, rubber plant. You're new to the game. (laughs) Or at least new to my game. Anyway, so the other plants that are in this family are black mulberry, cannabis, and common fig. Interesting, right? Interesting group of plants. So, the types of plants, there aren't millions and millions of varieties of this plant. Like, there are alocasia, like I talked about in the last podcast. But there are four main ones. I have two of them. Ficus elastica burgundy is a really, really dark red, almost black colored leaf. It's really nice contrast to all of the greenhouse plants out there. My experience with it currently is I've had one. I killed it. It didn't do great a while ago because I didn't know about it. But the more I'm learning, the more I'm hanging on to it with dear life. And it's actually doing pretty good. I had it in a little bit of lower light. I put it in more light. It seems to be doing fine. I think I just need to increase the watering a little bit but we'll go over all the info later. I also have Ficus Elastica Ruby, which is very cool. It's that awesome variegation that I just mentioned. It has a little bit of pink in it. These are very tiny plants. I got them at Equinox Botanical Boutique in Kenosha, actually. I know they restock their plants quite often, and they had some unique stuff in there. I was surprised I found this because I hadn't been able to find it in the, the Milwaukee, Kenosha area. Green Bay area. I've looked up there too. So it's really cute. It's got some pink on it and the underside of the leaves are actually kind of pink too. It's very pretty. So I'm proud that I actually have one of these because they are hard to find. The other two varieties are Robusta, which is more of a green leafed one. That's also one of the common ones you can find. And Tinica, which is the same variegation as the Ruby, but no pink. It has more of white hues. So those are the main cultivars that you can find commonly in nurseries, plant shops, or anything like that. More than likely, you're going to see more of these because that variegation is very popular. When I was ordering at the garden center I used to work at, I used to be able to find the burgundy all the time. And I really didn't have the option of getting the ruby or tinica. I also never came across the robusta, which is kind of surprising because just the dark green seems like a common color, you know? So... But anyway, that's kind of my experience with the varieties that rubber plant comes in. The rubber plant originated in India and the Malaysia area. So now let's talk about this plant as a landscape plant. 
So unfortunately, I didn't find a ton of information on the rubber plant as a landscape plant, probably because the hardiness zone is so thin. It's only from 10 to 11, 9 if you winter protect it, that it probably isn't very commonly used as a landscape plant. Also, the fact that it can get so big could be a hindrance to a residential landscape if you're not putting it in the correct spots considering how fast it can grow. So what I have found is obviously hardiness zone is 10 to 11 and 9 if it's winter protected. Another fact that I found, as I just said, they get really big. So I found in one of my books, it said they can get up to 40 feet or more. Online, I found that they can even get upwards of 100 feet. That's obviously on the higher end, but they are very, very fast. And if you've had it as a houseplant, you'll notice that it probably does grow pretty fast if it's in the right ideal conditions too. So even trimming it as a houseplant is necessary if you want to keep it maintained, which mostly for houseplants, there are some that you don't really need to maintain a ton. It might take years for a pothos to get really big. For a rubber plant, it'll take a season to double in size. So as a landscape plant, it can get very, very big. I also concluded in all of my research that it likes to be in very well-drained soil, so make sure you're not putting it in an area that's super saturated. That being said, loves the high humidity. I think the zone 10 and 11 can attest to that, but even in your house too, which we'll talk about in a minute. So that's kind of all I have for the landscape information. I know it's a little bit this time, but hopefully it'll help someone. Maybe they're trying to decide whether or not to put it in their backyard and they realize it can get 100 feet if they're not careful. Maybe that helps someone. <laughs> okay, so we're just going to move right into understanding this plant as a house plant because that is what I know it as and what I am trying to learn it as. And we'll talk about sunlight and watering and then we'll skip over to fertilizing propagation, which I have found so much about propagation on this plant and some other facts. So sunlight requirements, which I failed to mention in the landscape plant part, sorry, they can adapt to low light for preferred bright indirect light. So as I forgot to mention, for the landscape plant, they don't like to be in full direct sunlight. They like to be in filtered light or a little bit of shade. In your house, make sure you're putting it in a bright indirect light, but it can adapt to a low light. It might not be as lush and full. It might not grow as great of heights as you want it to if you don't have it in that kind of light situation. If you do put it in direct sunlight, it actually can burn the leaves. If you have it in, let's say, a west-facing window and it starts to burn, you know why. You could put a little shade curtain in front of it or just move it back from the window a little bit. So when it comes to watering, as I said for the landscape plant, it does not like to be watered too much. It needs well-drained soil. Same thing for the house plant. Let that soil dry out in between waterings in summer. Kind of like you would a pothos. Let them dry out. There are a couple signs of either underwatering or overwatering. Underwatering, which I have problems with right now, is the leaves look totally fine. The plant looks fine but it's just dropping its leaves for some reason, and that is because it's not getting as much hydration as it needs. If you notice that it's dropping leaves and they're turning yellow, they're starting to change color for some reason, that might be a sign of overwatering. Unlike some houseplants, that's actually nice to know because usually there's not really a telling sign of what the problem is when it comes to watering. So thank you, rubber plant, for giving us a hint. Also, 
Just like I said earlier, humidity is very important. So make sure you're either using a humidifier or misting this thing frequently during the warmer months especially. To the benefit to that, it will prevent, hopefully prevent, some spider mites because they don't like humidity. So that will help prevent them without you even knowing you're doing it. Okay, so now let's move on to fertilizing, propagation, and all the other facts that I found. All right, so fertilizing, I found a few different things on this. So me, myself, and I, I kind of do the same thing for most plants, and I like to use my slow-release fertilizer because it's a lot less maintenance and I have over 75 plants in the house. So I use a slow-release fertilizer. I put it down in February, March time. It helps. They grow. They get new leaves. They're strong. Wonderful. I also found some other things if you're not comfortable with just doing the, the slow-release fertilizer. I also found in one of the books that I have the Complete Houseplant Survival Manual by Barbara Pleasant. And it says, feed three to four times a year with a balanced houseplant food that includes micronutrients. So that's another way that some other books have suggested to fertilize. So using that all-purpose fertilizer or a balanced houseplant food, that will just kind of give it the extra growth kick it needs. Granted, this plant grows so big and so fast, it almost seems like it doesn't need it. But that's probably not true. It's always good to fertilize your plants, let me tell you and always fertilize during the growing season. I found that on a few different sources too. The plants need to slow down and recuperate during the winter so they don't produce as many leaves. So why stress it out by giving fertilizer and trying to kick it into high gear when it doesn't want to? So the next thing I'm gonna talk about is propagation. I found a few different ways to propagate this plant, believe it or not. I actually came up with the way, I didn't invent it obviously, but I came up with a way that I found actually in several sources, a couple of the books and multiple websites that I was looking at called air layering. I was like, what does that even mean? It sounds like clouds sitting on each other or something, you know? What I found in the same book I was just talking about is that this is a way to propagate and develop roots while it's still attached to the parent plant. How cool is that? I didn't know that existed. This is the only plant I've seen in a lot of my books that talks about it. So I wonder if it's one of the few and far between. But anyway, so what you do is you pick a spot on your stem where you want new roots to grow from and you remove any leaves that are present in that area and below or right in that area. You lightly actually scrape or wound the stem like you would be checking to see if it is like a, a woody plant is alive kind of thing. You scrape off the side of it a little bit and you cut through the stem, only about a third of the stem off. And you can put some rooting powder right where you took that wound from and you can actually kind of bandage it with some moss. Then it suggests in that houseplant survival manual to cover it with plastic wrap and tape the wrap in place with electrical tape or fabric band-aid tape. And it says to fill that plastic bag around the moss with a little bit of potting mix too. Kind of creating like a little pocket and this will increase the humidity in that area. You'll actually still water that area. So you'll water it from the top through like that plastic bag and it'll kind of drip down and at least it'll get the soil wet. It will increase that humidity, keep the soil moist and eventually usually about a month later, if you wait, you'll see roots forming inside the plastic. And you have this little root ball, this little tiny root ball you formed on the stem. And you'll just cut right below 
where that little root ball is and plant it. You want to keep it in a little bit less light and I wouldn't fertilize it yet. I would wait a little bit till it gets more established like you would with any propagating or any cutting and then slowly move it into the exact light and temperature and everything that it needs. Isn't that cool? Oh my god, I did not know about that. Anyway, so that's air layering. So that's one of the ways I found to propagate it. And since this plant grows so fast, it's not a bad idea. If you're trimming it, why not try it, right? So that way, if you're going to try it on a stem that's a little bit lower, you can still take the whole top of that plant off. So if you have a rubber plant that has five stems and you want to trim it back because it's getting too big and you want to take like part of one of the stems off, well, take however far, let's say you want to take it halfway down. Well, in that halfway down area, find a spot to wound it and wrap it up and see if it works. What do you got to lose besides the top of the plant, which you already want to get rid of anyways. Another book that I have called Houseplants, A Guide to Choosing and Caring for Indoor Plants by Lisa Eldred Steinkopf. It also talks about propagation and it does mention air layering, but it also suggests another way too. It says, tip cuttings can be taken, dried, and potted up in a moist potting medium. And then I also saw within a couple other resources that when you're trying to root the rubber plant, it really needs that heated soil. So having like a heating mat underneath it or making sure there's some kind of heat generation underneath the soil that you're using is best for it. So those are the couple ways that I actually saw propagating can happen. I know this isn't propagation, but it's a way of generating new growth. If you want to prune this plant, which I've mentioned a few times, the best time to prune it is in spring and summer. It's not necessary to prune it, but if you really want to, that's when you should be doing it. Also keep in mind that if if you're topping a branch, more than likely you're going to get more branches. It's going to produce not one, but maybe a couple stems. So just keep that in mind. If you're trying to shape it and you want to keep, you want to start creating more and more branches, that's the way to do it. Oh, you know what I also forgot to mention in the sunlight section. So if it's in a brighter light, it's going to grow a lot bigger, which means taller. If it's in less light, it's going to be more wider and stockier, if that makes sense. So if you want a little bit, a plant that's more filled out and wider, go for it. Put it in that partial sun. But if you want a pretty big substantial plant that gets taller, put it in more sun. I feel like I'm going out of order, but that's okay. That's what you're getting for me today. Okay, let's talk about some of the other facts that I found that were interesting. So, as I mentioned earlier, in your house, this guy can get pretty big. Usually, it doesn't reach any farther than about 10 feet, especially if you're keeping it within a pot for the most part. It's not going to want to get much bigger than that because the root system isn't going to allow it to get itself any bigger. So, pruning and maintaining, if you're keeping it in a high light space that gets big, might be necessary. Also, to describe these leaves, because they are very unique to this plant, they are very thick and they feel like leather and they're really, really glossy. So actually wiping down the leaves with a damp cloth will keep them nice and glossy and keep the plant healthy. It can prevent bacteria, diseases, all that good stuff from getting in that plant. We don't want that because we all know we have a hundred different plants that we need to get, take care of. And if one goes rogue, then you know it's going to attach to the next one. Another thing I learned is that this plant doesn't like to have a super, super root-bound rooting system. So it is ideal to actually repot this guy every two to three years, depending on how fast it's growing and what all it's got going on. Also, this plant does produce aerial roots, which can grow at the very base of the rubber plant. You have a couple options with them. Don't cut them off. You can tuck them back into the soil, 
that's okay to do. Or you can actually just put them around the base of the plant and kind of put them in the soil just a little bit. Not much of a difference with those two options, but you can put them back in the soil. It's not going to hurt the plant. Another thing that I found is you might be obviously knowing this based on the very high hardiness zone, but these guys don't tolerate cold very well. So make sure you're keeping them out of drafty windows or drafty doors and you're keeping them at a steady temperature. So you don't want the temperature changes to fluctuate too much because the leaves can start dropping. So overall issues that this plant might have, I've seen, I've seen mealybugs on this guy. I've seen spider mites. I have seen underwatering because I think I'm currently doing it. I've seen overwatering, but not very often. So I personally have not experienced the rubber plants at my house with any mealybugs or any spider mites, and I commonly struggle with mealybugs and spider mites. I've seen it at some other nurseries that I've been shopping at or big box stores. I've seen them at those places. But usually if you're maintaining your plant well, you're cleaning off those leaves, you're making sure you're misting to one, increase that humidity, and two, double benefit, it helps prevent spider mites, you should be good. If you can help it, I would maybe plant this plant in a pot that has drainage. That way it won't be a problem with watering and you won't have too many issues with under or over watering. If you have underwatering problems, that's way better than overwatering. All right, let's do a quick recap of everything. So this plant likes to be in bright filtered light. That's what it prefers, but it can handle a little bit lower light away from a window, not such a bright window. Depends on the structure you want it to get. If you want it to get tall and big and grow fast, get it in that bright indirect sunlight or filtered light. If you don't mind it staying its size or growing a little bit slower, you can keep it in less light. The next item on the list is make sure you're letting that soil dry out. If you can plant it in a pot that has drained, that will be ideal. You can even use a cactus soil or mix sand or perlite in your soil, in your potting mix. That way it allows for quicker drainage. Another little fact here that we talked about is humidity is key with these guys. So if you have a humidifier or even a spray bottle where you can mist it, it's very important to maintain that for this plant. I have seen portable humidifiers everywhere. They're very popular these days. Even some of the big box stores have sold them too for a fair price. So you should be able to find them anywhere. If you don't want the little portable humidifiers that you stick in a glass of water, then misting them does the job too. Not only should you be misting the area of the leaves and the branches, but make sure you're misting the base of the plant too, where the soil top is, because that will also help continue the humidity later on. Thank you so much for listening to episode 10 woo, of Houseplant Homebody, all about the rubber plant. And this is just a reminder that you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, or YouTube at Houseplant Homebody. All the social media links can be found on houseplant-homebody.com as well. And don't forget to join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means everything, and I can't wait to continue bringing you guys more and more plant bios and info. Don't forget to check back every Tuesday for more podcasts. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Hello.
everyone, I thought I'd stop on and tell you guys a little bit about my background. If you don't know, I worked at a garden center for six years and managed it for two. I decided to leave that job recently, this year actually, just because I wanted a little bit of lifestyle change, but in that process I was really afraid I wouldn't be able to continue learning as much about plants. So. I have always wanted to try to teach people what I learn and keep learning from the plant community, so I decided to create this podcast and this company, Houseplant Homebody, in hopes that I could reach more people and just share all of the information I learn and learn from everyone else. So that's how I started this. My sister actually came up with the name. She has a marketing background, so she's really good at these things. And that's how we got here. So thanks for being on this journey with me, and I'm so excited to continue sharing everything with you guys. Oh,